Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. They caught a shark, not the shark. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. We're tonight's entertainment. Get some serious gourmet. Showtime! I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I you. You gotta do something or just stand there and bleed. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Here's Johnny! Alright guys, welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. John here. This week, or this episode rather, we're talking Return of the Killer Tomatoes, a B-movie for all B-movies. Um, I'm joined uh, joined today by Jackson Delgado from California. He's a huge, huge movie fan, and uh, chatting with him before the show, he's already earned my respect because he was dropping some movie knowledge Uh you know, without even being prompted. So I'm really happy to have him on the show and have him share his insight with me about this film and just another films in general and just the love of cinema that we all seem to share. So, Jackson, man, welcome to the show, man. So glad you're here. Hey, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) What's up, indeed? Well, what's up with me is uh, I'm really happy that, you know, you asked me to pick a very unusual film to discuss. Uh, most of my guests want to talk about, I don't know. It, like hit dramas or popular movies? It just depends, honestly. Like Actually, the last couple of films I talked about with people have been either obscure B-movies from the 80s or 70s or movies that just didn't really fare too well, but they seem to love. But I have also talked about you know the big whopping dramas and all the hoopla and you know, the fancy, fancy films and such. So it's, it's good to, um, really look closer at a film that honestly I had never seen before till you asked me about it. And, uh, that's his return of the killer tomatoes, which is the first sequel to attack of the killer tomatoes. And I got to just ask you, man, you know, first off, let me ask you this. Do you look at return of the killer tomatoes and think, wow, this is a bad movie. Oh, it, I look at it like a, like it's like a shockingly bad, okay, bad movie. And the only character that I realized in the whole damn film was George Clooney when he was like really young. It's like, whoa. He's, yeah, he is. This is one of definitely one of his earlier roles. He's he's so young looking. Oh, he's he is he is so young, um, but he's very charming. Like uh, this movie is bad. Um, oh, it is. But like, yes. but, but like. But like in a good way, like it's it's a parody and it knows it's a parody. Just like the first uh, Killer Tomatoes movie knew it was a parody of of B movies. And I'll be honest with you, I think I like this movie more than Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I just thought it was funnier. I thought it yeah, had more was... actors and you know. Yeah, it seemed more cohesive. It was still super silly, and I still I roll my eyes at some parts, but some parts I actually thought. This isn't this isn't terribly stupid. It's kind of clever, because um, that's because it, it knows what it is. It's not trying to be pretentious and and gaudy and tacky. It's just what it's it just is. There, yeah, it's just sitting there. I guess I don't know how to put it. Yeah, and I would I would argue that it's um it's turned into something of a cult classic, and I have a soft spot for cult classics. I don't know about you, but. Cult classics. I actually wrote a whole thing about cult classics for one of the uh, websites I write for, and they're so revered because they they just touch us 
they, they and they move us in a way that you know maybe they weren't meaning to intend to but they kind of did anyway like had such and, an impactful i guess back in the day or it didn't have much impact i guess yeah, like it didn't maybe it didn't make the the money it was trying to make, or it didn't win over the right audience. But like just with time, it kind of just gestated and stayed with people. And and I think that's what I've come to like about Return of the Killer Tomatoes is because of how silly and dumb it is. There's some endearing qualities to it, and it's it's it is you know the fact that it has a young George Clooney in it. It is the fact that it's got a mad scientist played by. John Aston from you know the Adams Family TV show. Oh yeah, the, like that's only if people have noticed that. Like, there's only only a few people that like noticed him. That's the funny thing. Yeah, it's so full of like no namers otherwise, and I don't know. It just it's funny. Like, it's really a funny movie. Like, I was laughing more than I I thought I was going to. Um, but I wanted to ask you, like, why do you think people? When people say they want to see, like you, I want to see Return or talk about Return of the Killer Tomatoes, or I want to talk about, um, I don't know, name an obscure, you know, '80s movie that no one has really heard of, but still has something of a cult following. Why do we want to watch these films? I have, like, I honestly like the reason why I would watch these films is just because you see how campy they were back in the day, and just seem like, oh, like if they made like, like for instance, like a Star Wars Christmas special and you don't even realize it. You're like, Oh, <laughs> I've never, I never realized there would be a Christmas special ever of Star Wars. And then you watch and you're like, well, this shit, this is bad. And then you want, like, it's just, it's about like what they were like back in the time. Cause they just were asking for cash grabs at that point. They were like, I need money. I'm broke. We gotta get some money in. Like they did point out in the movie where it's like, I've literally been playing three characters in my life. We got, and like, oh, well, George Clooney's like, we got to do some product placement. And it just reminded me of Wayne's World a bit. Like, it's a little bit, it was a pretty nice, clever way. And they're like, oh, would you want like Pepsi Cola or this yeah. and that? It was Domino's nice. Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I don't know what it is about like cult classics, like some things like, I mean, I do know what it is about cult classics, but it's just cult classics don't always land with everybody or they land with certain people at different times in their life. Like, um, for example, a big cult classic is the evil dead. And when I first saw the evil dead, I I must've been nine or 10 and I was watching it just to watch it because it was what my friends talked about. It was like one of the movies, Oh man, you like horror. Well, you've got to see this movie. And, and I watched it at the time, and I was, like I said, 9 or 10. I'm like, eh, okay. But then I, I watched it maybe a decade later or something, and I was I went back to it again. And at this time, my, my lenses of how I viewed films, how I digested and studied film had grown significantly, and it hit me differently than seeing Evil Dead at that point in my life later on. And I think that's like the magic of, of film is because it's a story, it's art, and sometimes it means... You know, it'll mean something different to you, maybe at different stages in your life, in the same way that what you may get out of the film will be different from what I get out of the film. Yeah. But the, what's so the cult classic part of it, I really I feel is is you know, it's not meant to do what it does, but it does it anyway. It kind of gives a it waves a big middle finger to all like the professional critics and in the mainstream audiences who want more of the safe cookie cutter um 
sometimes Oscar Beatty type of films that come out or like the big the big budget sci-fi, the big budget action movies that typically do well because those are like the movies we a lot might say we, I mean we as the main massive uh, movie viewers are going to champion. But then you have stuff like Clerks. Or, oh uh, yeah, that's a prudent prime example right there. Clerks, like if it was like there was like all these big picture films, big box, big office hits, I think, and then you got Clerks, and then Jay and Silent Bob strike again, and it's like, all right, what, like, where were these? Like, and it's like a twenty four, like they're like those kind of movies, but like they're getting known more. Like cult classics are getting more known more because people are starting to love them and. Like, people were like, oh, I relate to this person. They have, like, like when you start watching them more, you start, like, actually, this is like, not that bad of a film. But there's some yeah. that are like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, there's some that, uh, there's some, uh, um, like, talk about 824 for a second. 824 has a very interesting catalog. And I'm, I'm still on the fence of whether or not I would consider 824, like, groundbreaking revolutionary cinema or pretentious snobbery cinema because like A24 like Ari Aster who made Hereditary in Midsummer he put those films out through A24 and there was this, also there's this um oh there's this Asian film um with uh, what's her name Aquafina was in it and uh it was really good it was really heartfelt and like sentimental and dramatic and then you get stuff like The Lamb or whatever that just came out another horror film so A24 is kind of all over the place but what I think what A24 allows its its filmmakers to do is allow its filmmakers to flex their creative muscles in a li- an unlicensed way that maybe the bigger, what seemingly the bigger production companies like your Foxes or your, your Universals or, or, or Paramounts may not be comfortable with doing because since A24 is a smaller company and they cost less is less of a risk. And I think it's very attractive to young filmmakers who want to go over to A twenty four and make their and make their stories and tell their stories because yeah, the young filmmakers and young screenwriters be making that. Yeah, there's like you know, like the Lighthouse, um, Eighth Grade, uh, uh, that movie that Bo Burnham did. I really loved it. Um, Ex Machina, Lady Bird. Um, you know, I, like arguably they're all really really good films i think um, they became famous like nowish, like kind of like times like it, i don't remember them coming back when i was like a kid or not like they just now started becoming famous ever since they started making hereditary and ladybird and like mm-hmm. kind of sort yeah well a24 is a relatively young company too um compared to like you know the the big heavyweights um <clears throat> but we're getting off topic here but that's okay sometimes you get off topic um so, Return of the Killer Tomatoes, um, I don't want to do a beat-for-beat beat of this movie, but essentially it picks up 10 years after the end of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and, like, everything was, like, the end sequence of that first film was now referred to as the Great Tomato War, and to- tomatoes are now banned, and, like, the they're making pizza in a pizza shop without tomato paste. It's all, like... Chocolate honey glaze and it's just i was like god that sounds awful <laughs> like, yeah like if you even say the word tomato you get like everyone just fucking like goes like ape shit go, like oh they tomato they go crazy it's yeah, like the guy with the book tomato and then i was like ah 
I, but I, I like how um, you know, it it becomes like this this taboo tomatoes like and people are then starting to like sell t- tomatoes like in back alleys like they're like it's cocaine or something. <laughs> oh yeah, like it's and, like oh like, you want this? Yeah, they had like that quick Godfather scene where that guy's like the Italian dude's trying to sell his tomatoes, his cherry tomatoes to this this uh, would be customer. It's but it's those little tiny bits of the film that really just make this kind of enjoyable for me because it's there is a whole narrative like this whole the whole thing with uh, Chad, the main character, who's the nephew of the Finletter guy from the first movie, who was like the, the war hero. Him and Matt, who is George Clooney's character, the roommates, um, how they, you know, come across this plot by the the mad doctor, Professor Gangrene. That's a great name, and <laughs> and he and he's and he's trying to like you know, because I mean I remember in Return or Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, it was music that was that song that like suppressed the tomatoes and it defeated them. But now, he, now the doctor is using music to like uh, empower them and turn them into like Rambo commandos and stuff, or into Tara, that really the really attractive main character uh, girl. Yeah, and it it's just a stupid plot. It, like why? Like we never really find out why he wants to make tomatoes or wants to, tomatoes to take over the world. But I guess it doesn't really matter at the same time. I don't know. I just know that like this is basically a San Diego film. Like if you really think of like it just they filmed in I think it was Bobo Park with like the mime uh-huh. and like Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I I've been to San Diego a couple times. Um mostly to get in and out burger and then I left. But uh <laughs> only for that reason I'm out. Goodbye. <laughs> let me go let me go let me go to like New York or like, you know, somewhere <laughs> in Tennessee, get a Whataburger, head out. So you know, funny enough, I um so I grew up in Florida, and where I live, where I grew up in Florida, there's actually three or four Whataburgers, and there. So in my upbringing, since Whataburger was so prevalent and prominent, like it was like it was common places McDonald's where I, in my neighborhood, it, it didn't really like strike me as like a, like a novelty, and that's what In and Out Burger is to me. It's it's not like they're the most amazing burgers or anything. It's just the novelty because you can't get them at anywhere on the East Coast. Um, that's so, true, but uh, about San Diego, like I was just kidding about only going there for In-N-Out Burger. San Diego as a city is lovely. There's so much to do, um, and because uh, I'm in the military, and I was uh, I had to go to San Diego for a, a class for seven weeks, and uh, I had a buddy who lived up in Carlsbad or Oceanside, and now took the train up and up there every weekend. So I would hang out and go to the beach, and you know, oh, check it's lovely out. there. Yeah, it's so nice, man. There's like it's so much to do. There's lots of fun things happening. There's all, there always seems to be something going on. Um, I don't know what it's been like the last couple of years. Are do you live in around San Diego? Yeah, I do. Like I live like kind of like sort of like where right by downtown, like kind of like where you're trying to go into um where like downtown is like the center of like Little Italy and the airport kind of in a way. Okay, well, that's pretty. You've been uh you you've been there since. You said you moved there when you were a kid, right? Oh, ever since I was born, pretty much, it seems like. Okay. Uh, so you would... Do you, identify, like a, hmm? do you identify as a San Diego, San Diegoian? Or I don't whatever? know what people call it, San Diegoian. I just say, like, whatever I am. <laughs> like, 
I live here. That's that's it. That's the end. Of the yeah, I, I just live here, like, and I just make a living. I just pay taxes, and then I just leave. Yeah, that's fair. What do you do for fun down in San Diego? I I was I tend to go outside and I grab my uh, my camera and I start to make short films with people. Like I like I tend to like to make short films in downtown San Diego and try to like I'm I'm kind of currently making a Batman slash versus Joker kind of movie. At the moment in downtown San Diego, it's kind of hard because there's always like those like hobos, no offense, they just show up out of nowhere. Like I'm like, gosh dang, like let me walk the other way, and it's really fun. Like okay. there's many things to do there. I'm never bored. Like I go to like sure. Belmont Park, and mm-hmm. I go with my friends, and we just go on the roller coaster. We just hang out at the beach, or we just chill out. Okay, yeah. So typical sounds like a pretty typical San Diego fair. Um, that's if awesome. you get bored, yeah. then that's your fault, man. Dude, there's like so many things to do. No, I, yeah, I know. It's, it's I. That's why I loved about being over there in that part of California. Like, I didn't really. I went to L.A. a few times. wasn't really crazy about L.A. There um, was I. I was like the home of film. I check it out. I'm like, wow. Never mind. No, I, I got. I went to. I actually drove through Hollywood, and I spent like the day in Hollywood. I went. I did the the horse the horse riding trail by the Hollywood sign. Did that. That was pretty cool. But besides that, I was like, this is not my vibe. I don't want to be here any more than I have to. And then I left, and then I haven't been back, and no regrets, that's for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so going back to Return of the Killer Tomatoes, um, what made you, when I asked you, like, what movie you wanted to talk about, you, you like, vehemently championed and rallied to say return of the killer tomatoes and you know being a movie that's not like a high profile film it's kind of a deep cut and and, because it is such a cult classic uh what made you decide to pick this film what 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 about this film was so exciting for you to talk about to be honest it's because i'd never see on youtube that like there's like not even a single like there's some reviews or something like that but there's never like a podcast about someone talking about it like i've looked everywhere and i could not find it for some reason so i was like I want to talk about it. Like, I really, no, like, I, like, no one has ever heard of it. Like, like, if I even mention it to some of my friends, they're like, what? I'm like, never mind. You wouldn't understand that reference. So, well, yeah, so to be honest and, and to be fair, when you said Return and the Killer Tomatoes, I'm like, that's a movie? Okay. And I had to look it up. Because I, I had heard of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I think everyone's at least heard of that. And uh, my God, this thing has three sequels, and this is the first one. The re- return is, and so I was kind of uh, shocked. And but then I said, you know what? I'm due to see a new film. I could see something different I haven't seen before. You know, I'm. I'll never say no to a film I haven't seen before. Like it's just my 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 principle. Um, and so I was actually excited to check it out. I I, I rewatched Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, and I'm like, oh God, this is so so bad <laughs> i don't know like, i don't shit. Uh, yeah i was like ah oh, what did i sign sign up for here and then i and i you know i i i needed to rewatch attack of the killer tomatoes because as bad as these films are there there actually is carryover of plot and details you need to know before going into return of the killer tomatoes and so i watched return of the killer tomatoes and I, uh, I was expecting the worst and cuz it has like a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm like, oh god, nothing could be that bad. And I watched him like, this isn't that bad at all. This is not deserved zero percent. Um, I mean, I can totally understand why 
professional critics were not a f- uh, fans of it, but whatever. Um, the audience, you know, on IMDb, I think has like a 5.6, which is for obscure B movie parody horror films. Like that's pretty yeah, good. Right. That's a pretty good score, to be honest with you. Um, and and it was just it was a lot of fun. Like I don't think I would recommend this film to my casual movie people or my my friends or family, but I guess more, my more devoted friends that are into film, I would say, hey, check this out and have a good laugh if you want to, like, you know, have a few beers or or whatever, kick it on the couch and just have it, like, kind of playing as, a like, as like a, something to study uh, for a comedy. Um, I think people would get a kick out of it, those types of people. And um, I've just realized in that whole film, like, that fluffy strawberry, uh, strawberry tomato reminded yeah. me of Star Trek of the Turbals, I think. Just you know, you're right. Me. That's, that's, that's a good point. I didn't even I didn't even think about that to you. You just said that now. Good I, catch, I'm a man. huge like you know like nerd about it. So it's like wait a minute. These I feel like you just cut like hey spray paint the turbo real quickly. Make it red. Make it look like a tomato. Like okay, got it. And like use that effect. Boom, they're done. Like yeah, I feel like that's what they did. But that ties back to um, when um, they kept breaking the fourth wall, and like the big fourth wall break that they made was when they were talking about they're in the middle of setting up a shot and they 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 stopped filming because like they ran out of money and then they had to you know turn to product placement and oh my god it was i don't know george clooney's character or george clooney you know in air quotes recommended product placement and the next scene they're like it's like crest and it's this thing it's that thing it's this thing it's that thing it's just <laughs> they just leaned so heavily into it and it was so funny, like, I because like you see product placement in movies now. Like you see a certain. Um, I was watching Red Notice on Netflix with Ryan Reynolds and The Rock. It just like, it just came out two weeks ago or something, and I think Ryan Reynolds' character was was using like a Microsoft Surface tablet or something, and the, but they made sure to flash the logo so you would know what they were using, and or like in um, I think it was Transformers they would plug certain cars i think in avengers they would plug the audi car um it's like like i get it like i get it but you know so i think like Re- return of the killer tomatoes was kind of ahead of its time poking fun at all these tropes and all these these acrobats acrobatics that movies these the contemporary films these days are are doing and like like i don't know why I, I don't understand how product placement works. Like, who does the product, does the company, like Crest or the car company, whoever gets advertised, come to the studio? Like, hey, we'll give you some money for the budget if you drop our product in your film. Like, I assume it's something similar to that. I wish someone would come on the show and explain it to me, unless you happen to know that information. But uh, I, it, it was kind of funny how, like, you kind of you kind of see, like, the writings on the wall. And Return of the Killer Tomatoes really just kind of just sent sent it up and and kicked it out of the park. It was pretty funny. Um, yeah. What did um? Is there anything about this movie that, like, if you if you were to like, you know, say you had like a, a big film friend, or maybe even not a big film film friend, and you wanted them to watch Return of the Killer Tomatoes, what would you? <laughs> What would you? What would be your sales pitch to them, to get them to to go see it? 
do you want to watch a movie about people getting scared of tomatoes? And if they say, yeah, then I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Like, you want to see some people that just go batshit insane over just simple tomatoes? And they're going to think it's probably like, oh, is that a stoner like kind of movie? I'm like, nope, it's an actual film and like it's like serious and everything. Like, okay, then we'll watch it. I mean, you know, um, I would say if you want to see George Clooney like 30 years ago, that that would be that would be my selling point to I guess a certain group group of my friends. <laughs> Do you want to see George, hot George Clooney? Like, yeah, you want to see in his prime was, when he was yeah when he was just the heartthrob magazine cover George Clooney. Have I got the movie for you? <laughs> um, <laughs> so this movie is like, and for what it is, it kind of runs kind of long. It's like almost an hour forty minutes. It's pretty long. Um, what um. Uh, what what's like your favorite like aspect of this film? What of this film is your favorite part? Well, my favorite part is when he like asks out like like the the, feet, the hot attractive chick out on a date, and so they're all like going through like like beaches and like the the mimes like bothering them. He's like, okay, all right, have fun, and then he just keeps bothering, them, and then he just beats the shit out of the mime like just <laughs> because he just like is annoyed by him. Yeah, I uh, I. <laughs> One of the interesting, like, sequences, like, you know, the mime thing, he, like, he was annoying me, to be honest with you. He was like, but I'm, so I'm, when he, I think Chad, the main character, when Chad finally decks him, uh, when they're, like, in, like, the adult, uh, the adult store, like, I, I felt that. I felt so grat- satisfied that he just took that dude out because he was just getting on my nerves. But that, the, the first, um, or rather, the second interaction that Tara, the, um, tomato that turns into the, the the main girl when she comes to the pizza place to to ask out chad and she's like hey do you want to have sex he's like uh what he's like what, oh, what? <laughs> do, you want me to, do you want me to cook for you i was <laughs> and then i think like the next day she like makes like a shit ton of toast yeah yeah and she's and she's uh um in the shower george clooney just like loses his mind because he thinks he's talking to his roommate Chad was really Tara in the shower and I the whole like it's a good comedic bit it's like a bit that you would see like on a sitcom these days or something or maybe from the 90s yeah. and uh, it's so funny like like what is time because you know time's so weird this movie came out George Clooney came out in this film in 88 and less than a decade later he was on the show ER he was and he was in that movie from Dust Till Dawn and he was a total household name. Like he was just he was just on the cusp of with this film of becoming like a really popular, really uh, attractive young actor to to cast. And it's just it's cool. It's really fun to go back and see where you know an actor's humble beginnings look like. And you know, case in point, in horrible, terrible B movie sequels from the eighties. Um, I think George Clooney's done well for himself since then, for sure. I'm like honestly, it was like my I think it was my first George Clooney film, and then he won from Ocean's Eleven, and then like two other like pictures he was in. Right, what? Sorry, you said this was your first movie you saw you saw him in. Yeah, the first ever movie. I was like, like oh, was like, so you you were watching some guy? You weren't? You didn't know you were watching George Clooney? Oh no, I know it was George Clooney right away. I was like, wait, that's oh, George okay. Clooney. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> I just knew the I knew the name. I knew what he looked like and everything, but I've yeah, never yeah, yeah, seen yeah. any film he was in. I literally, 
because I, I was a kid, I used to think, like, everyone, like, I was like, everyone had an accent. I was like, this guy's British. I could sense it right away. Like, I was, like, saying that. My mom's like, no. And then what? I'm like, what? Why do you think he, why Why did you think everyone was British? Or people I don't know. British? So Because I was watching so much, like, foreign TV back in the day. So it was just, like, okay. I, I watched, like, people, oh, like, this, like, this and that. I was like, what? <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, uh. There's a couple of actors I look at. I'm like, there's no way that they're British, and they totally end up being British, and it just blows my mind. And I'm like, damn it, like Henry Cavill. Um, I didn't know he was British at all. I thought he was just an American at first. I was like, oh yeah. So it's funny him. So him, Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, um, Benedict Cumberbatch. They're all British men, and they come over and. They take all these fun American roles like Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and Superman. I'm like, what? We don't have any fun American guys. Not like it really matters in the end of the day, but like, damn it, man. Like, gosh <laughs> so, dang it. Because like, it's like, you know, like think about like Doctor Who, like that's an English property. It's like, it's like a household staple of the United Kingdom. And I can't imagine them ever casting an American actor to play that role. It, it would be, there would be outcry or like, or Harry Potter or something. But, uh, you know, if they're Superman, if they're attractive enough or buff enough, they might just get the part. At least, like, Thor and Loki, they kept their accents for the most part. Um, so, I don't know. That works me out because I just remember, I think it was... I don't know the actor's name. Crap. And, uh, he played Frodo in Lord of the Rings. I'm sure yeah. the guy's name. Uh, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. I thought he was British the whole tired, like, years of my life. And, like... All right, this guy's British. And then I see, like, interviews. He's actually American. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, man, I remember seeing him in so many films uh, prior to Lord of the Rings because he, he was a big child actor. And he was in this, do you know Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone? Yeah, he was in Home Alone. He was in, uh, like, was it My Girl, I think yeah, it was yeah. called. So and both Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood, they were they were in a film together. Have you seen The Good Son? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was so I was so intrigued by seeing that movie when I was a kid, just because it was Macaulay Culkin, a kid actor who was you know he's older than I am, but at the time we were we we're both kids at the same time, and this film was rated R. It was it was like taboo, you know. It was like ooh, he was in an R rated movie. That's so edgy and stuff. And Elijah Wood was in that movie too, and. Um, God, like that so, movie was yeah. graphic for its yeah, time. It was, was way ahead of its time, in my opinion. It was like, yeah. whoa, it was it was heavy. Like it was because I think like Kelly Culkin, he had just done, he had just done Home Alone two, and he was ready to, to he's ready to do Richie Rich, and he did the Good Son in between those two films, and that was like, God, he's a freaking psychopath in that movie. He's like killing people and. Trying to kill other people and oh Jesus, it was. And dark, he did. Man. He did pretty good. Now he's like, I wish he was in the new Home Alone movie, which was really, but they never did that. I uh, didn't they come out with a new like a new new Home Alone or something? Yeah, the only reference he did was uh Buzz. Like the only brought the older brother Buzz, the, like the old uh, actor. I still, I still haven't seen it yet, and uh, all my all uh my peer groups. And my radar has been telling me to kind of steer clear. Even though I said I'll give every film a chance, I might give that film a chance down the road, but just not today. Um, (laughs) 
just being straight up. Return of the Killer Tomatoes, not a remarkable film, but remarkably surprising for me with how terribly unterrible it was. Like, I think I would watch this movie again. I don't know wow. if I would actually. I don't know if I would go back to the first, to Attack of the Killer Tomatoes right away, but I could I could see myself. So I I was looking into this, and this is a film. Return of the Killer Tomatoes is a film that seems like it would get better with multiple viewings. Like each time you watch it, it gets funnier and funnier because you'll probably catch catch things you probably didn't catch upon first viewing. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Like how many times? Agree. How many times have you seen this movie? I think I've seen it probably like six times because my family wanted to see it again. Uh-huh. Like he showed me, and then I showed my friends, and then I went on to like, like showing people that like my random friend group. But while back in high school, I was like, watch this movie, and like, we all <laughs> laughed and had a good time. And then I just wanted to watch it because I want like see how like since I'm older, let's see if I can watch it again and see if I can like get some perspective on it. And then mm-hmm. I was like, holy fuck, okay, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, I am. Um, it it's good. It's it's mindless. It's silly. It's but you know what? I think after you see it the first time, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. It's it's safe to go back to because it's it's like a fun little release because it doesn't ask much of you. It doesn't it's not like a heavy drama. It's not like a big action film. It's not even like a really a smart comedy. It's just something to kind of put on and kind of like like purge all of your energy for the day and just let it let this movie take it in for you and because it, it's just it, there's, there's not much work <laughs> needed to yeah. watch this film and understand this film because just not a lot going on it's just a bunch of silly shit happening with like uh, mad doctors in in rambo commando tomato men and that are huh, they're gardeners yeah okay and, oh yeah they were they were acting like they're gardening it was like what the hell <laughs> I don't know, man. This, <laughs> I, you know, I'm actually kind of grateful you picked out this movie. You could have picked out any film, um, as long as it was a film I hadn't already covered on the show, and you picked this one. And I, I really, I, you know, I really am happy this is the one we went with because it opened up my eyes to another cult classic I didn't even realize I was missing out on. So, um, we're gonna get wrapped up here, but I want to just want to close out, man. Ask you if there's anything you could change about this film, be it if you wanted if you wanted to add something more to it, if you wanted to maybe take something away from this film, anything at all. What, what? How would you improve Return of the Killer Tomatoes if you had final edit? I honestly, I wouldn't change it. It's perfect as it is. It's bad as it is. It doesn't need any changing. It's needs to have that campy kind of style. You know what I mean? Like needs to have that feel like there's nothing i could change or remove about it well said yeah i respect i respect that answer um yeah because it wouldn't be totally the same it wouldn't hit the same as it does now well and good luck to your uh to your projects going out and shooting videos and stuff around san diego is there anything you want to plug anything you want to um, let people know that you're getting into uh well i'm making i'm currently writing a script right now for a mystery thriller right now slash dark comedy at the moment it's not gonna i'm gonna try to pitch it to netflix or amazon and see how it goes and then or any like movie studios and see what happens if they say no i'm gonna keep trying and see if my dream like becomes true of becoming like a film director i just really hope so 
That's awesome, man. Hey, well, best of luck to you, uh, Jackson. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank and, you. And, um, yeah, man, best of luck to you, and uh, hopefully we'll hear from you again, bud. All right. All right, man, take care. You too.